These are the stories of The 116, a podcast from the heart of the First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria, Illinois. This is where belief becomes action and action brings hope. Here's your host, Greg Fish. Well, thank you very much. And we're back for episode number 12 of Stories from the 116, bringing it to you from the uh, as I have been saying way too often, the catacombs of the United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria, Illinois. And uh, these are our stories. These are the ministry stories. These are the tales and the interesting uh, notes that you may not know about of ministry work, both in downtown Peoria and the world. And today we kind of take it to the world. Because I, I'm, I, I've got to tell you, I'm really excited about my guest today because I've been following her adventures and even kind of the, the heartbreak of the early end to the event adventure but of Kate Rolfs and Kate it's a privilege to have you here thank you and you have the big footsteps of your mom to follow in here <laughs> of course did, you, did she put the pressure on you to, to hold the family name up well when you come to do this or anything no. not really okay. good good I just wanted to make sure that now I don't know and, and your family has kind of gotten tied in in recent years with this idea of missions anyway mm-hmm. uh was that just kind of an infectious thing that happened in your family that that your your parents were so excited that it just got a hold of you as well to do something special and unique with your life? Yeah, so actually I went on my first mission trip in Louisiana when I was six years old. Uh-huh. And so missions has always just kind of been a huge part of my life. And it always feels like a weird year if I don't have a mission trip to go on or not saying that like mission trips are something that's so necessary because our world is our mission field. It just feels funky, I guess, to not have that to look forward to. And you are so right. I think so often we can forget about the mission field we have at home and the Mm -hmm. important mission that God puts us on here. Uh, But you don't always find younger folks who are that enthusiastic about, you know, going to another country to serve. Mm -hmm. I mean, even sometimes serving here can be a little bit of a, uh, you know, so how how do your, uh, uh, other peer, how do your peers, your friends, how have they responded to your uh, uh, mission trip, your mission journey? Um, you know, there's some friends that just assume it's a trip and that I'm just kind of doing a semester abroad to travel. Um, but then there's other friends that are always super supportive, especially with fundraising and reading my blogs and just continuing to check up on me. So it's a wide spectrum. Um, so, and I want to be sure and put your blog in the show notes so people can link on that if they want to. But what is the name of your blog? It's katerolfs.theworldrace.org. Are you still keeping that up? Yeah. So actually in the fall, I will be a team leader oh. for World Race. And so because of Corona, we're not going to be leaving the States and we're going to be staying in Georgia, um, which is where the headquarters are for World Race. Well, and that can be like a foreign land. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I'll have kind of a warm winter. That'll be weird. <laughs> you may come back with a little accent. It's a soft Southern drawl or oh, something. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. So tell the folks about what you did then. And this started last year. Uh, tell us about the organization and the uh is it, I don't know, should I say event or mission project that you were a part of? I like mission project. Okay, let's go that with that. That sounds cool. Let's go with that. Tell us, <laughs> tell us about that. Um, so World Race is an organization that just sends missionaries into the field. They have different programs ranging from like 11 months to a couple weeks. Uh-huh. And so I went to Swaziland, Myanmar, Thailand, and Nicaragua for just a couple weeks. Wow. Yeah. So how, what was the total length of the... Uh, project to actually be what originally when you left how many 
how long were you going to be gone? So the original plan was that I would be gone for nine months, spending three months in Swaziland, one month in Myanmar, two months in Thailand, and then another three in Nicaragua. Okay, but it didn't quite work out that way. How, <laughs> no. how, how short did you fall of the uh, nine months? About two and a half months. So I was okay. in Nicaragua for two weeks. Oh, yeah. and that, that had to be heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh, my. And, and Nicaragua sounds like such a cool place mm-hmm. to go anyway. But uh, yeah, I was really looking forward to it, too, because um, I know a good amount of Spanish. And especially with the mm. Rioses here at Church, Valeria is one of my closest friends. So. I was really looking forward to doing that. Are you fluent in Spanish or just okay? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> okay. Just okay. Um, so, como esta usted? Okay, good. <laughs> um, we did these prayer walks in Nicaragua, and uh-huh. it was really cool because I could understand a lot of what they were saying. And so, for the prayer walks, we would all split into teams, and then we would have a translator with each team. Um, and so, our translator was doing most of like, the talking back and forth, which I can't speak Spanish very well, but I can listen and understand pretty well. So okay. that was a really interesting thing for me. Yeah. So, so was was there a huge <clears throat> language barrier in each of your stops uh, as far as yeah. need for translators? Yeah. Um, so Swaziland, they mostly speak English pretty well. I mean, they have their own language, but they teach English in their schools. Mm-hmm. Myanmar... There were maybe like three people that we could speak English with. And so that was a really interesting ministry that we had. Um, And then Thailand, kind of the same thing. We were in Chiang Mai, which is a very touristy place. So Mm. whenever we weren't at ministry, it was easy to kind of speak English wherever we were. But at the farm, there was only one lady that could speak English. And so a lot of conversations happened through like motions or facial expressions or dance parties. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> or just say waving. Hey, yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. Wait, there are some things that are universal. I'm yes. guessing you have to be careful about some gestures though, since they don't <laughs> translate well, I'm, yeah. I'm supposing. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. When you took off for this trip, what was going to be your purpose? So I'm going on this trip to, in your understanding to do what? So there were different ministries in each location, but that was mostly the main focus, especially as I was signing up, like Swaziland, we were serving at care points and then Thailand, we were, there was a different plan, but we ended up working at um, a rehabilitation home for victims of sexual abuse Mm -hmm. or trafficking. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's different ministries every place that we went. Um, but the organization I was with also really focuses on intimacy and just growing yourself with discipleship and just g- growing closer to the Lord, which was a beautiful side part to kind of what yeah. I didn't realize that I was signing up for. So, yeah. yeah. So was there a, a pretty big process to get involved with this? Did you have to go through interviews? Did you write mm-hmm. something? How did that work? Yeah. So there was an application process and a phone call and usually there's other steps after that but i was blessed to be accepted on the spot wow excellent how many people were in your group there were um 38 racers and then we had two um leaders 38 racers you said yeah okay a mix of guys and girls or Mm -hmm. there were uh only five guys (laughs) so the rest of us were girls and and i'm guessing that a group like this with a mission are are pretty committed 
people who are pretty committed to Jesus and, and yes, that yeah. sort of mission. So mm-hmm. that must have been kind of cool to get together with other young people who share your yeah. passion like that. Yeah, it was super fun. Did you guys bond pretty quickly then? Yeah, so we actually had training camp last summer for two weeks um, just to kind of get to know each other, get to know the organization. Um, we had a lot of different sessions to go through, and so that was a cool bonding experience. And then we had about like a month and a half before we actually launched on the field. So it was cool to get to know them before I just immediately started living with them for however many months. Uh Um, But yeah, I would say some of my closest friends I met on that trip. So you've really got some lifelong friends you would anticipate from this group. Yes, yeah. Wow, that's just so neat. And now were there other, were you all... Uh, technically adults in the group or were there some younger students as well? Yeah, So the age range for this trip is 18 to 21. So I don't know if some people consider 18 adult. (laughs) Yeah. I guess the reason I was asking, I was just kind of curious, are there people who took roles of quote unquote chaperones or just older leaders or how did that work? Yeah. So the way that the organization is set up, so all of the participants are called racers from world race. Okay. Um, And then to start out, what I'll be doing is a team leader. And so the team leaders go for the first three months and they lead each individual teams in team times and ministry and such. And then on top of the team leaders, they have squad leaders. Okay. And so that was Jillian and Samuel. Those were our two, um, I guess, chaperones. Okay. Yeah. And, and were the kids from all over the U.S.? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. What, was it mixed uh, uh, racially as well among mm-hmm. the racers? Yeah, it was... I mean, there's mostly white people because it mm-hmm. was, it was a very expensive trip to gotcha. fundraise for. Um, okay. But yeah, there was a little bit of diversity. Okay, and I, I just kind of was curious how that that mix would eventually impact you in the different places mm-hmm. you're going. And and that's one of the things I guess I'm kind of curious about. And yeah. I mentioned it to you is that when you go into these different ethnic ethnically diverse areas. Well, mm-hmm. let's, I mean, first of all, the, the, your first stop was where? Swaziland. Swaziland. And so what's the, uh, I, I hate to be stupid here, but what's the <laughs> ethnic mix? I really don't know much about Swaziland. Yeah. So Swaziland is kind of north of um, South Africa. And so okay. it's mostly black people. Mm-hmm. We were the only white people in the community that we were living in. And so that was super interesting to yeah, be yeah. the minority. Yeah. Did, so did that impact you in any way for what you ended up coming home to with the uh, the extraordinary time of racial tension that's going on mm-hmm. here? H- how has that impacted your thinking about this? Um, this isn't the first time that I've experienced being the minority, mm-hmm. um, for sure. Whenever I went to Liberia the first time mm. with my mom, that was more, I guess it was really intimidating being the only mm. person of like my skin color, which... I didn't realize it was something that other people felt because I'm white and I mm-hmm. come from a white community. Um, so it's been really interesting kind of praying over this situation. Um, I've never really been educated about all these racial differences. And so like the other day I watched LA 92 on Netflix and that was something that I had never learned about in school, which I was really surprised about. Um, And so I've really enjoyed kind of educating myself about it and just praying into the situation and just learning more about what black people deal with in America. Sure. So when you go to Swaziland, what what was the greeting like that you received there among the people you were with? Um, (laughs) They were excited to see us because usually 
the white people that they see are there for more like safaris or kind of touristy things. And mm, so yeah. when they saw us, they pictured money, not like okay. poor world racers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, there was definitely a lot of questions about money. I was actually proposed to a couple times. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. A- any yeses on your behalf or were they all no's? No, no. Okay, no. okay, okay. So I'm sure. Good, good. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm about to get myself in trouble with your parents and all, I think so yeah okay good well uh, that's pretty funny though but so but oh but once that they settled into you being there among them uh how quickly did the differences melt away and you found yourself being just people with them um I would say it kind of took maybe like a week and a half or so especially once we were placed at our care points uh-huh. um and so my team walked about an hour to our care point um, and so those relationships were just super special. Just, I don't know, just especially walking so far just to go see these kids and have them just hang on you and uh-huh. being able to just love on them. That was super special. It's almost, I mean, you're there to serve them. Mm-hmm. Is, is it, was it difficult to not kind of feel a little celebrity status <laughs> instead of serving? I mean, because of no, yeah. attention. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Uh, How did you serve them? What what was your purpose in serving in in Swaziland? What did you do there? So at the care points, we helped serve meals. And then I, me and one other girl on my team, we helped with the choir that they had. Oh, yeah. um, Which was super special because I love to sing. Uh Um, And so we did choir, we did feeding, we did Bible lessons that our shepherds, so the person in charge of the care point um, translated for us because it's a little bit hard to teach the Bible in English because, I don't know, usually when you learn another language, you're not learning all like the terminology in the Bible. Sure. Um, and sense. so that was mostly our ministry. And then we also, um, it was cool because the hosts that we had in Swaziland are also from America. And so mm. they actually ministered to us a good amount. Um, they gave us teachings and uh, they just loved on us. Um, yeah, just kind of helping us out, especially, I don't know, leaving for a nine-month trip. You're not thinking about how hard it's going to be being away from home in, in such a foreign place. And so they really ministered to us. Well, that's neat. Now, the next stop then was Myanmar. Was that next? Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. Okay, I'm trying to think. Was that is that what used to be Burma? Yes. Okay, Yeah. good. I, I feel <laughs> a really fine. I was going on an edge there. I wasn't sure if I was yeah, correct in my job. world history. Good. All right. Thank you. Uh, so tell us what kind of uh, an ethnic mix do we find there? So Burmese people are just, I mean, if you picture like the typical Asian, Asian person, sure. they, um, they have like their own traditional makeup. And so there's usually a little bit of paint on their face is what, kind okay. of what it looks like. Um, yeah, they didn't speak English hardly at all there. Our ministry host was about the only person that could really do translating and things like that for us. Um, so that was a really interesting stop. We actually only had three days of scheduled ministry there oh. because we were teaching English at a school. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's Christmas time and the kids oh, all yes. go on Christmas break. And so we taught like the last three days before they went on break, and then we didn't really have ministry. But it kind of worked out because we all got really sick for about two weeks. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from from 
something you ate from well, a, something going around or what was it? I don't it? know. We're not really sure. We weren't really supposed to drink the water there, mm-hmm. except, on, I mean, all the food that was cooked was probably in the water, and we yeah. didn't have any way to cook our own food because there wasn't a kitchen or any way to keep things good. So we had to eat gotcha. all of our meals out. <laughs> so we're not really sure what the sickness came from, but... Well, I want to come back to how the food was in a little bit. Don't <laughs> let me forget that. All right. But uh, so, so how did, what was their response to you when you came in to your group coming in, in that culture? Were they uh, used to having folks from different cultures come in? Were you, did they, was there a celebrity status? Did you <laughs> blend in? How, how did that work there for you? We for sure did not blend in. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay, duh. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, this specific region that we are in, we had to take an extra 24-hour bus. We are in um, the state called Chin. And so in the Chin state, there's only about like 150 um, visitors from around the world. And so it was like like per year. So it was really rare that we were there, especially in the city that we are in. And so people kind of didn't really know what to do with us. So we got some looks and especially because we couldn't speak their language and they couldn't mm, speak mm-hmm. ours. There was kind of an extra barrier on top of them not really knowing what to do with us. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So from, from Myanmar and you were there the shortest amount of time in Myanmar. Yeah, is that it ended up being only about three and a half weeks. Okay. All right. Uh, the next stop, uh, what was the next stop? Thailand. Thailand. Okay. Yeah. So we may have a little bit more of an idea what you ex- expect in the Taiwanese people. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, tell us about that experience for you coming into that culture. Yeah. So we were in Chiang Mai, which is a super touristy city. Uh-huh. Um, and so we were not the only white people and we were more so considered tourists. Uh, which was an interesting ministry opportunity because people kept trying to like come up to us and sell us things, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. we obviously didn't have the money for. Sure. Um, an interesting fact is that World Race only gives $5 a day for food budget, and so that's about all the money we had for a day. Oh, my. And so there wasn't much like for spending or mm-hmm. anything like that, and so it kind of gave us an interesting ministry opportunity to just kind of talk to them and encourage them instead of just buying their things and not saying another word. So you weren't just people from other cultures. You were cheap people from other cultures. And <laughs> <Yes>. stuff. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But So that, that did open up doors for you then yeah, of conversation. Oh, mm-hmm. well, that's neat. And, and what was that like then? I mean, uh, through a translator, I'm assuming. No, actually, since it's so touristy there, a good oh. amount of the people can speak a couple words in English. And okay. so, especially with like, facial expressions and mm-hmm. like hand movements and things like that. We got our point across more than we may have in Myanmar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then the people there were welcoming at first because they thought you were a tourist, but then they mm-hmm. opened their hearts to you just because yeah. you were there to talk to them. Yeah. Well, that's neat. Yeah. So you were in, in, uh, uh, ta- Chiang Mai. Chiang Mai. Okay. <laughs> and how long were you there? We were there for two months. Two months. Yeah. Okay. And then our actual ministry, we drove about, 30 minutes kind of right outside the city and we worked at a farm which is a rehabilitation center for victims of sexual abuse or trafficking and so we just Mm. did manual labor with them um which was really cool actually it kind of gave us a different opportunity because usually when you picture mission work you picture like working for other people uh, but we were able to work alongside them Mm. um which was just really sweet um yeah, we did a lot of dirt 
digging and <laughs> wheelbarrowing and moving that. We pulled a lot of weeds. Yeah. So I, I'm guessing since you guys weren't really qualified to counsel or, mm-hmm. but what was your interaction with the folks who were in that particular place where the, there'd been great sexual abuse and, and trafficking and so forth? What, what was your relationship like there? Um, it was for sure really hard at first because the women weren't really open to kind of like talking to us or yeah. doing anything with us really. Um, and so we just kind of worked in silence for the first maybe week or so. And then the longer we were there, the more they started to open up. Um, and we were actually there on Valentine's Day, which was really fun because we got to celebrate them. Um, and so oh. we gave them each like a little bouquet of flowers and we baked them brownies with the ingredients we could find in Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> How did that turn out? <laughs> Surprisingly pretty good. We okay. have some magicians on our team. Okay, good. good. <laughs> and and so that really opened a warm relationship mm-hmm. up with, with the folks there. Then. Yeah, it was super special. Yeah. You know, I, I guess I asked the question about your relationship with people on the team, mm-hmm. but were there people who you ministered to that you also felt like, um, even though you may or may not be able to stay in contact with them, that they were, you really gained a relationship for the rest of your life with somebody, even if you never see them again. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially my kids in Swaziland and there was this woman named Oma Uh that we met. Um, she was on our walk. So I think I mentioned that we had to walk about an hour to get to our care point. And she was one of the only houses on the road that we walked on. And so one day we had originally thought this was an abandoned home. And so one day we were just kind of taking our time, walking down the road, um, and all of a sudden we see um, this, like, cement circle, I guess, and it was uh, hollow, and so we were just kind of climbing on it. So Swaziland, a little backstory, doesn't have a trash system, and so you have to burn all of their trash. And so what we found out later was that it was her trash pit and that we were just kind of climbing on (laughs) it. Um, and she came out of her house and she was like, oh my gosh, ladies, <laughs> <laughs> not what we were expecting at all, especially cause we didn't even know anyone was there. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but it actually, it opened the door for a really cool relationship and she had a stop on the way there and on the way back almost every single day. Um, and ju- we just talked to her and got to learn about her story and share mm-hmm. our stories and talk about Jesus and. Yeah, it just ended up being a really cool relationship. That's so awesome. I guess we didn't get to Nicaragua, although I guess we can all kind of guess a little bit more so about the cultural differences. Mm-hmm. Were there any surprises for you in Nicaragua culturally? Um, not really. I'm, for me personally, I didn't realize how impoverished Nicaragua was. Okay. Um, I guess kind of when I thought about Central America, I thought more like Costa Rica and like the touristy part. And so I... I don't know. I didn't really know what to expect, and I did not expect it to be, I guess, as poor as what it is. Wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I know this is not the big part of your story, but I think it's something that we're all curious, something I'm certainly curious about. So let me just ask it. Best food, worst food? <laughs> Do that one for uh, me. For sure, Swaziland had the worst food. <laughs> Which included what? <laughs> it was a lot of rice. Um, and then there was this thing called Swazi chicken or Swazi beef. It kind of depended on the day. Um, <laughs> oh my. and it was just a lot of bones and a lot of fat and not a lot of meat. And I dreaded every single day that that was for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> because it just wasn't very yeah. filling and appetizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And okay. usually there was beets alongside. Yeah. 
mm. of the meal. And plus, in Swaziland, uh, the the nearest grocery store is about an hour and a half away. So our host had to do a lot of extra driving oh, um, to feed yeah. 40 people. And so for lunch every day, we had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and like one of those long carrots, not a baby oh, carrot. Oh, really? Yeah. That was our lunch. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, not a baby carrot. Yeah, that's funny. And by and by long, you couldn't see the hand gesture, but we're talking about what a two foot long carrot. Is that what you had there? Just like a normal, oh, like, normal size <laughs> carrot. Okay, I mean, you were doing like a really huge carrot there. So okay, just a normal, uncut, yeah, just a normal one, not baby, an adult carrot, not a baby yes. carrot. Gotcha. All right, that that makes sense. So that's the worst food. What's the best food for you? For sure, Thailand. Oh my gosh, I love that food. Well, I, I love Thai food too, but I have to wonder: was it the the real thing? They're different than what we get here. Oh yeah, for sure. My favorite food to get was actually the market food, and so I got this thing called mango sticky rice almost every single day, and it's just a little bit of rice with I think it's like coconut milk and condensed milk mixed uh -huh. together as the sauce, and then a bunch of mango on top, and then these like little crunchy things. I don't even know what they were. It was <laughs> they so were, good. <laughs> they were insects, by the way. No, I'm sorry. I don't know that. I don't know that. Yeah, and then I also really liked the pork dumplings that they had there because oh they would goodness. make it right in front of you. Oh, oh my gosh, it's so good. I can't even imagine. So, so you didn't have to order pad thai anywhere or anything like that because <laughs> it was all yeah. Yeah, it was just all right in the market, and the market was actually right across the street from where we were living. So. Cool. That's perfect. All right. Fantastic. So we got the food question out of the way. <laughs> the, probably the most important and the most impactful thing was, tell me how this changed your life. How are you different now here back at home than you were before you left for the trip? Mm -hmm. um, so something that the organization really pushes is your prayer life. And that's something that wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like non-existent, but it was very rare, I guess, before I left. Um I guess I didn't really see the importance in it. Um, yeah. Mm. And so while I was gone, they taught us about like interceding, um, about fasting, about just praying for literally anything. I mean, there was one day they literally just had us ask God like a bunch of funny questions, like what's your favorite color or just things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was just, especially um, like hearing the voice of the Lord for the first time, that mm -hmm. was super special. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like learning more what it's like to have a relationship with him. Wow. You hear so many stories of people going into a mission field area where uh, Christianity is not the predominant religion. Mm -hmm. Did you experience some things that just blew your mind uh, that faith was able to bring about that you had never seen here because of the power of what God was doing in, in places like that? Yeah, so spiritual warfare is something... I didn't really know much about, um, okay. and I guess in America it looks so much different than it may look in different countries. Like in Asia, like physical oppression is something that the enemy uses, and so yes. we were able to see that and pray over it and see miracles happen, which is really cool. Also, pretty scary. I'm not gonna lie, um, but I don't know. I learned a lot through it, and. Uh, yeah, the Lord is still teaching me so much, and it's really interesting to see kind of the differences in, like, spiritual warfare and what it might look like and just how the Lord brings you through that. So I'm going to back you up just a little bit. You said you saw miracles happen. What what were so? Can you give us one or two examples of what you saw that blew your mind? Yeah, um, one of the girls on my team actually had 
kind of a really bad hip problem. Mm -hmm. um, and so she, she was like laying down and it was something that she, I guess she had had her entire life and one of her legs was like maybe an inch or two shorter than the other one. Mm -hmm. And it was causing her hip a lot of pain. And so we prayed over it and she stood up and she was fine and she didn't have any more pain. And then all of a sudden we went to go tell one of the other girls on our squad and she was like, lay down, like I bet your legs grew. And I was like, what the heck? They didn't grow. You can't just make legs grow. That's insane. And she laid down and her legs were the same length. And I had literally just seen like minutes before her other leg wow. a couple inches shorter. It was insane. And and then you come back here where we our faith is such a trivial thing at times. Mm -hmm. How do you help us? I mean... It's almost like you went over there to help other folks, but you can now come back here and help yeah, the folks yeah. here. What do you want the people who are here to know about who Jesus is and what he is doing in this uh, big world of ours? Yeah, just Jesus heals. Um, and he wants to be a part of your life. He wants to heal your heart. He wants to bring you through the pain that you're feeling. Um, yeah. And he wow. just he wants to be that person for you. And I think... Sometimes all you have to do is say, okay, and I mean, he's going to start working. He's, he's mm. a gentleman. He's not going to start working when you don't want him to. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So where does Kate Rolfs go from here? What's your, <laughs> what's your next big adventure? Yeah. So like I said, I'm going to Georgia. So oh, that's, that's right, super yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the original plan was Costa Rica and Guatemala. So that would have been the plan, except, you know, coronavirus. So. Yeah, yeah. So what's your what's your career path, do you think, at this point in time? Um, probably when I get back, I will continue at ICC and then start working towards a business degree. I would love someday to open my own coffee shop um, oh. and employ immigrants or just like anyone who needs a little bit of extra help because I would love to just disciple them through that and provide them a job at the same time. Well, I mean, I'll come hang out there. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds great. Awesome. Any uh, any uh, last stories that, that that are on your heart and mind that you want to tell before we wrap this up? Hmm. I don't want to miss anything. But, <laughs> and, and see, that's the thing. And, and your mother mentioned this because she said when she came back from her big trip, people say, so how was it? Oh, yeah. It's, that's an impossible question <laughs> to ask. Know. And so I want to not just say how was it, but yeah. I just want to make sure we uh, uh, give you a chance to speak your heart to anybody who might be listening. So, so what's going to happen is you're going to leave here now and think, <laughs> oh, I should have said that. <laughs> You're right. But yeah. right now your heart's clear? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I awesome. guess if I just see you and I start talking for, you know, 15 minutes, that's just what didn't come out right now. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So, so Kate, we'll leave uh, your blog in the, uh, your blog link in the uh, show notes. And also, Sweet. if you have any pictures you'd like to share, I think we may have a few of your pictures already on there. I'll okay. have to double check. But if you have any pictures you'd like to share with anybody, we'll include those in the show notes as well. And folks, we ask you to please be sure and like and share this program on social media. This helps us to get these stories out and let other folks know some of the powerful things. And by the way, this is among my favorite podcasts today, Kate. Yeah, <laughs> thank this was, you. It was a powerful podcast. Wow. Um, thank you for sharing your stories, but uh, be sure and like and share these. And also, if you could give us a good rating on your podcast provider, that helps other folks to find this 
as well. You've been listening to the stories of the 116 from our studio at First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria, Illinois. You can find the show notes or contact us with your questions and comments through our website at www.fumcpeoria.org.